So I hope you heard hour one today because I'm stunned at how easily it connects to hour two. We talked about the satanic so-called Christian church or the, the so-called Christian church that Satan would admire. You know, it's a social issue. The Republicans, the shiny shoes tell us it's, that's a, that's a social issue. And yet it ties into our economy. This discussion with Zach Abraham, you're about to hear, entered into a really fascinating discussion. And there's this illusion out there that it's just been this great run for asset prices it has been. But look what's happened culturally and, and also taught as believers. Um, you know, I think that there's telltale signs. Like, for instance, when you go through a 15 year period of time where it's the largest bull market in U.S. history, and then you also look at the 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 degradation or the, or the cultural rot that we've had at the same time. Um, I think that kind of tells it all, right? Like it really is like a Rome-esque apex. Yeah. Zach says that he could look back at the financial performance of Rome. If that stuff was tracked and say, man, I bet they were a degraded culture. Zach Abraham joins us. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Times such as these require us to make the ultimate decision. You can do it passively or actively. That is where you're going to spend eternity. Also, make just temporal decisions on who do we trust with information and to get information from. My friend, Zach Abraham, joins us, Bulwark Capital Management. The partnership with his company has been so important to us. And I'm so happy to know that uh, our listeners have taken up business with Zach. And man, it's it's such a fruitful relationship. Um, we don't norm- we normally start with my insane conspiracy theory stuff, because you know, Zach, how I love me, the conspiracy theories, right? Conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just, I mean, like, I might... I have to apologize for having ever said that the government would buy data, cell phone data, and track people around that would, oh, wait. You're a right-wing alarmist. <laughs> but that but that happened. They did that. They, they, weird. Yeah, it's so weird that that happened. And then saying that the uh, the injections might uh, harm pregnant women, now that's that's happened. But anyway, let's, let's get to this. Um, let's just talk. Let's just do a CNBC show. Let, let me just say, hey, Zach, how's the markets doing? Markets doing good. I, I, I saw a bunch of people really bullish on things. So I, I bet things are swimming, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a bloodbath. Uh, it's, you know, like you and I were talking earlier, um, nobody, including me, knows which direction markets are going at any times. And it, and it sort of reminds me of a, a line that my buddy says, which is, Nobody knows when a crash is going to happen, but we know the environments and the telltale signs of, of what, you know, the environment where a crash does occur. And um, you've never had an environment that was more prone to a crash than this ever. Uh, meaning that when interest rates are going up, right, the cost of debt, the cost of money is going up. The dollar is spiking to 20 year highs, which is like a tax on the rest of the world. 
And at the same time, commodity prices are ripping through the roof. It is virtually impossible to have economic growth with that setup. It, it's almost impossible. And when you look at where markets are, you look at debt levels, you look at rates, this is why we were all, uh, you know, this is why we were all hedged up um, last week and this week. And, you know, we're still up on the week. Um, you know, and, that, and it doesn't mean that we're the only one, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, it, again, markets can do crazy things. I, I just look at people and I'm like, listen, if you know, if you know what to look for and you add up dollar commodities, rates going up, just nothing good can happen. And um, this isn't, I don't think this is going to be short lived. I think this is still the beginning. So people are like, well, I don't want to sell at the bottom. I don't think you need to be worried about that. Um, <laughs> really? This is, this is not the bottom. No, 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 no. The only thing that would save this market, Todd, and that's the other thing, is everybody's like, how do you know it? You know, you always want to buy the dip. Yeah, the reason you always want to buy the dip is because the Federal Reserve was standing there with a fire hose ready to throw liquidity at anything that moved. Okay, they can't do that right now. They are painted into a corner. If they let inflation run, that will topple the economy. If they raise rates, that will topple the economy. And Todd, you and I, we've been talking about this on a radio show for six years, saying, guys, when this starts to happen, you need to leave the party because nothing good can happen here. And it's just, you know, markets can do crazy things. Like yesterday, there was a rally. Everybody misread that. In this business, we have a term called buy the news, sell the, or excuse me, buy the rumor, sell the news. Okay. When we're going into a Fed, Fed decision like we had yesterday, and we know that the Fed is going to hike by 50 basis points, they were telegraphing that. Uh, uh, and that's part of their, that's part of their process. They want to, they want to warn the market about it. 50 basis point interest rate hike is the biggest hike you've had in 20 years. Okay. And you hike it when a dollar is at the 20 year high and crude is still elevating. Okay. I think people, and then everybody, the market rallied, everybody misread that. The reason market rallied was the same reason that we did what we did yesterday at the open. We reduced our hedges and our shorts in the portfolio by about a third because we figured the Fed would hike by 50 and then markets would pop. And the reason markets pop, it was because, A, guys like me were covering their short positions. We bought the rumors, sell the news. And then retail jumps on it, right? Because they're like, oh, we're taking off again. They get all in there. I'm not at all surprised today. We increased our shorts at the close yesterday because of this. Um, and it's just a nasty market. And... You know, everybody's like, oh, it'll always bounce back. <clears throat> well, guys, you know, Japan, the Nikkei reached a record high of 39,800, I believe, in 1989. The Nikkei is currently at 25,000 32 years later. Okay, so you're still 30% underwater. Oh. I'm not saying that's going to happen, Todd, but people have this belief, oh, it'll always come back to buy the dip. Guys, there's been multiple times in history where that didn't happen. 1929, market peak. You didn't recover those gains. You didn't recover those losses until 25 years later in 1954. Right? 1968, market peak. You didn't get back to those levels until 1982. S&P peak in 2000. You didn't get back to that level. Uh, you got it there in 07. You brushed up against it, got killed again. You didn't cross over that level until 13 years later. So, um, you know, most people cannot afford taking losses for 13 to 15 years of their retirement, which is two thirds of their retirement, right? And um, it's a mess. This is a mess and it's not something that's gonna be sorted out anytime. And 
honestly, I think we've been saying all along that we didn't think that the dollar would lose its reserve status in the world because of dollar weakness. And people gave me a weird look and I go, guys, when the dollar goes down 40 or 50%, the rest of the world is celebrating, right? It's, that's a huge economic boon for the rest of the world. What's going to cause the dollar to get removed is the world reserve currency is dollar strength. Because you get the DXY up to the 104, 105 area where it's at right now, everything starts to break. Everything starts to break. And now at the same time, you've got rates rocketing up and you've got the Fed with their hands tied. You don't want any part of this, you guys. You don't want any part of it. And so let me see if I can, and I know this has been a long time coming, so I don't want to place this all upon the figurehead. That would be truly unfair. Um, they've been or ignoring fundamentals. They've been conjuring money. Um, the grift has just gotten bigger. The COVID excuse blew the grift out. We talked last week about the $3.6 billion fake money that um, BlackRock had the, what was it? The treasury conjure. And then the treasury illegally went out and, and, and gave money. They would call it loans, but it's not because it's 0% interest as I understand it to those mobbed up companies. They've been doing all of this for a long period of time. The, the grift just gets larger. You're describing them being painted into a corner, but I will tell you what I'm hearing now is I'm imagining four years of a figurehead leader resulting in what is basically a figurehead economy. I mean, think of this. The dollar is a figurehead unit. There's nothing there. The, the free market here, this is a figurehead free market. We don't have a free market. It's as manipulated as it gets. The Securities and Exchange Commission, that, that's only for little people. They're not going to, I mean, and, and Elon Musk, they'll, they'll punish Elon. But okay, so I would boil this down to a figurehead economy from a figurehead leader. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, that's what it is, but we've been living in this uh, curated environment now really since, I mean, the Fed has been overactive for a while. It really started with Greenspan back in the eighties, but, but I think your word grift is, is perfect because even back then, you know, uh, it's hard to really pin it on Greenspan because he did, you know, he was cutting rates and he, he got over involved as the head of the Fed, but you know, the Fed funds rate when he took over was something like 15%, right? So he had to bring rates down and they deserve to be brought down. You look at this world post 2008 and there's this illusion out there that it's just been this great run for asset prices. It has been, but look what's happened culturally and, and also taught as believers. Um, you know, I think that there's telltale signs. Like for instance, when you go through a 15 year period of time where it's the largest bull market in us history, and then you also look at the, the, the degradation or the, or the cultural rot that we've had at the same time. Um, I think that kind of tells it all, right? Like it really is like a Rome-esque apex, right? Where it's, you, you know, it's, it's, peak, uh, it's peak immorality, it's, it's, it's peak greed, it's peak wealth. I mean, look at Instagram, right? And I, I'm not, hey, look, I know that my wife has an Instagram page, so I'm not trying to say, but, you know, by and large, one of the reasons I'm not involved in any of the social media platforms is because it's all been like, look at how much money I have and look at how much better I am than you, right? That, that's not real prosperity and it's prosperity that's come directly from the printing press. And the funny thing is, is you do it long enough and it really is that whole cognitive dissonance setup, which everybody's like, they all start believing that the charade is reality. Right. Right. 
Right. And, and we, yeah, yeah, we've been living on a credit card and it's even worse than a credit card because credit cards are real money, right? We've just been, and, and the, you and I talked about this on another show. It, it's anything unsustainable cannot continue on. There, there will be a, there will be a crimp, right? That happens. And that's where you're seeing, that's what you're seeing right now. Like the, the irony of it, right? So we've been throwing money at all this ridiculous stuff, NFTs, crypto, right? All this, all this stuff. And, um, we weren't investing in energy. <laughs> we, we weren't putting money toward the thing that we need to heat our homes and cook food. And it, it, if you like, it is such a, an example of just biblical foolishness. Oh my goodness. Right? Where yes. Yes. It, it, it reminds it, me of, of, you just said something that just keyed something in my mind. It reminds me, and I, I know I've told my listeners this story. I think I told you this story when we had this massive snowstorm in Seattle, um, we couldn't get out of our neighborhood for five days. Yeah. Okay. And when I say, Hey, have all the chains, all the, all the snow tires you want when the hill is absolute ice and you live on, on the side of a hill with, you know, a view of the sound, you're not leaving. Um, and fortunately I had, right. God provided for us food storage and wood. And so we could, cause we had no power. And for five of those seven days, no power. Most people didn't have generators and it's day two, day two dude from across the street. Who's a Boeing engineer. His wife is a doctor knocks on my door and asks for food for his family. And I was torn, you know, cause I, I wanted him to live in his experience. Like, no, but he had kids and, and I'm, I'm called, of course we have to care for others. So I, I gave him some food. I helped him carry it to his house. No food in that house, but their cell phones, everything had backup batteries. They're sitting, no, their kids are playing games. And I said, wow, are you charging your phones? Oh, he goes, we've got all sorts of backup batteries and I've got these things all charged and I'm an engineer. And so my job is I got to have access to my computers and, and he didn't get it. He, yeah. He's covering the big. Right. And that, that's the same thing that you're describing with our economy. Right. There's this earthquake. I mean, think of this. BlackRock owns significant portions of every company. Um, you have all these media mergers. Facebook buys Instagram. Facebook buys um, the uh, the Oculus. You know, Google buys YouTube. No one cares. No one cares. <laughs> Elon Musk with an investor group buys Twitter and the world shakes apart. Right. And this is a world where all that money is chasing all these, you know, the, the, the digital entities. It's the same thing as that guy's living room. Dude had no food for his, what was it? Three kids, but they had all the video games. Yeah. And I just, I think it's, like I said, I, one of the things that fascinates me about this job and keeps me riveted every single day, if it's not clear, I, I, I do love what I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, but one of the things that fascinates me about it are these, the, the way these things intertwine, right? Like you can show me what, what, for instance, I wouldn't even have to look at the culture. If you showed me what the federal reserve was doing and what they were doing with bailouts and everything like that, uh, I could have deduced just through the studying of history that you were looking at massive cultural and, and moral decay in, in the country. Really? Yeah. Because again, it's, it's, it's a reflection of Rome and it's just like with children, right? If, if, if the answer is always yes, and we're going to protect you from every negative. I had a, I had a meeting 
so got called in for a parent-teacher conference okay, for my middle son, and he's a great boy. Um, but I, he, he was being disruptive in class. And uh, I walked into that meeting, first of all, thinking, you know, here's my comeuppance. Um, <laughs> I was, I was, you know, I, I was a good kid all in all, but, but, you know, I had some fights. I spent some time, you know, I spent serious time in detention, uh, got suspended for a day one time in high school. Um, I was mischievous, you know, a, bit of, a little bit of a troublemaker, but, you know, good all in all, no drugs, no anything like that. But, yeah. You know, showed some And so I was laughing going, okay, I've, 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 I've earned this. And we went in and the teacher was visibly nervous and she had the principal come sit in with her and they're kind of slow playing it. You know, we love your son and, and we just think the world of him. And I stopped him and I said, Hey guys, I love him too, but I also know that he's a kid and he can do stupid stuff. So you don't need to worry about me getting upset. If the teacher says that he's misbehaving, I'll handle it. I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to take your word for it. And she was sitting there and, and they kind of just looked at me like I, like I had two, you know, three eyes and uh, the principal, that is so refreshing to hear. She goes, that is not what we get from parents. It's always, it cannot be my kid. And then we're the bad guy. And it just made me think what a perfect uh, uh, analogy for our economy or in, in, in our country right now. Yeah. Right. It's the only thing you can't do is say somebody did something wrong. Right. Nobody accepts accountability for everything. Well, and then wait, 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 wait. let's listen. Um, you know, we started the show, Zach. I mean, we got to be careful about the disinformation because, you know, you know, we're, we're being monitored. I, I don't want to I don't want to get you know, run afoul of the D- Department of Homeland Security. It, it is wrong to be white. So take it back because yeah, doesn't think so. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> My wife doesn't think so, but, you know. <laughs> You got to tell because people don't know your whole family story. You got to say why that's funny. Oh yeah, my wife is black. Yeah, and and, and well, you remember this too. What, the funny part about it was, remember the whole Dory Monson dust up when he got canceled. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. When they and and one of his great listeners, Matt Gilbert, who listens to this podcast, uh, Dory's a radio host and a dear friend of mine in Seattle, and he happened to point out the fact that there is no biology. Um, to say that men are women. And, and someone said that they're respecting the science because men can go now change their driver's license to say they're women. And Dory said, science, LOL, what science? And the Seahawks canceled him. And, and he was suspended at the radio station. And, and his great listener, Matt Gilbert, started a, a, a support Dory page. And then I'm very proud of the radio station. Um, they brought him back and they brought him back in full stead and they made the right decision. And I don't have any negative you know, we work for the same company, but yeah, I, I remember that. So yeah, that relates to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it, 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 it well, I mean, I think it's an, it's evidence of the cultural rot, why they were trying to pull them off in the first place. Right. But um, the, the other part of it was uh, the minute we heard that we pulled all advertising from Cairo and said that same day, we said uh, I, I contacted my media buyer, Jerry, you know, Jerry, yeah. great Jerry, lovely guy. Uh, and I just said, Hey man, pull our advertising, let them know that when Dory's back on, they'll, they'll resume getting checks from us. And, um, I don't say that to brag or anything. I, I, I relish, I relish the opportunity to do it because it was my own first and only opportunity to really punch back at the whole cancel culture thing. And then just a cool story for, for the rest of your listeners and, and Bonneville has been good to us. I don't blame them uh, at all, but, uh, within the next 72 hours, about 90% of the sponsors pulled 
And within three days, 25% of the station's revenue had pulled. And uh, uh, yeah. so they had to change to change this stuff. I put out an announcement on, on uh, Twitter that we were doing that. And um, I, start, I started be, being called a racist and a bigot. People started coming after me. And I just... I just kind of, I, I would answer every one, you know, every like one or five messages, you know, one out of five messages, I would answer and be like, oh, really? I'm a bigot. That's interesting. Have you checked out my company's website? Because um, yeah. <laughs> my wife, they're number two. And you just sit there and go, if a guy that's married to a black person is considered racist, I mean, there's <laughs> there's no way anybody is it. You know what I mean? It's just right. so ridiculous to face of it. Well, let so me anyway, that was. No, that was a great story. And it relates to that. I remember that occasion. Uh, and I was so thankful that you guys, you, you led on that stance, Zach. And um, I remember reading about it because, of course, I had nothing to do with any of that. Right. <laughs> so uh, we, can't, we can't let them know the back. No, 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 I guess we'll, we'll leave that one alone. We'll leave that one alone. Zach Abraham's with me. Um, Zach, I want to talk about this cultural rot in the market because that's a really interesting thing you just said. I want to put some, uh, add some perspective to that in a second here. I am chatting with Zach Abraham. He's the chief investment officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And as we talk about this risk in this time, Zach's company is calibrated upon risk management. And he just explained, and this is so spot on, can you afford to take 15 years off um, in, in a retirement? In other words, like in earning and in growing, because the risk of the economy that we have right now is this economy could drop and boom. If, if yes, if that's at the time you retire, Hey, that 15 years of gain, sorry, that's gone. And you're going to have to go back to work. So retirement in and of itself is risky. Bulwark Capital Management operates on being centered upon a risk management strategy. And far be it for me to say, he says it far better than I do, Zach. But my understanding is that the, the 60-40 stock bond mix, we were all taught. I was taught the same thing. So were you. It's their view. It's simply outdated in this economy. And I think Zach is making that point today. So you have the opportunity to work with a person who comes on each week, tells the truth about the economy and is full bright eyed. This isn't saying that it's not a pretend economy, but it's the economy we have. It's a market we have. And Zach knows how to deal with that at Bower Capital Management. So here's what you can do is you can call and talk to Zach about maybe it's early retirement. Maybe it's retirement at all. Talk to his team. They're at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. You can also go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor, representative of Trek Financial LLC, and SEC registered investment advisor. And again, you can go to knowyourriskradio.com. You should do that anyway to subscribe to Zach's podcast. It's a great podcast. Radio show, as a matter of fact. I remember radio. That was fun. So, <laughs> Zach, um, you want to know one of the... Um, the hundred million, it started as a, as a small category, sort of a, a niche clothing category. Now it's exploded into what people see over the next five years being a hundred million and then a $500 million category in clothing. Want to know what it is? I'm sitting here scanning my brain right now. I can't pull anything up. It's a trans clothing for uh, children. Hmm. So, Fantastic. well, so those would be things, for instance, like chest binders for little girls. So they can smash their breasts against their body uh, so they can more effectively pretend to be a boy. Um, or do you know what Packers are? Not the Green Bay. Yeah, 
Yeah. You would, yeah Aaron Rodgers. One would hope. No. Um, Packers are for your um, your kids. So if you have a girl who's pretending to be a boy, um, she wears underwear with a fake penis installed. Um, you can buy baby Packers. This is for infants. So that if you have figured out that your infant girl was born in the wrong body and in fact should have a penis, um, you can then buy um, infant pants uh, and toddler pants so that your daughter can pretend to have a penis. And this is a growth category that they're looking at. There are um, pregnancy outfits for, for young boys. Um, and so you were talking about looking at our spending and then looking back at cultural rot. Uh, I would say that's a big part of this, but also, I don't know if you heard this, but two weeks ago, I played some audio from a guy who advises Klaus Schwab. And I think you and I can agree that Klaus Schwab practices evil. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, my- All right. So Klaus Schwab, World Economic <laughs> Forum, one of his advisors um, is hot after transhumanism. And he wants people to, to be changed. He said that we don't need most people. Um, he was making the point that someone asked him, the interviewer said, so what do we do with all these people we don't need? I mean, we're not, we're not going to kill them. That was the undertone of his statement. But what, what do we do with them? You know what he said? He said, yeah, we need to be able to manage people who are no longer necessary to the world. And we think that video games and pharmaceuticals are a good way to do that. That sounds all right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, this gets back to what I was, what we were just talking about, about, you know, uh, uh, economics and finances and, and all that stuff, uh, mirroring culture, mm-hmm. right? Like, but here's another thing that history will teach us. What, for whatever reason, what is one of the most common things we see at peak cultural moments, right? You see moral decay, you see record wealth. And then typically, whether you're talking about Mayans and Aztecs, whether you're talking about Romans in a certain way, it's now happening in our country as well. Um, what, what do you often see? You often see the sacrifice of children in one way or the other on altars, right? You, you see the sacrifice of virgins, right? Uh, uh, how, how is that not happening right now? We're just sacrificing our children on the altar of political correctness. It's the same thing, right? It's devastating. And then you see the impacts of it. For the first time in history, an entire demographic, the leading cause of death is suicide, 18 to 25 years old. Right. Nobody ever stops to sit there and go, hey, maybe the fruit of this tree isn't yielding what we want it to. The, the thing that the thing that concerns me is I think that the, the, the tree is yielding exactly the fruit that, that those people want. Yes. To, right. Yeah. And, 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 and that's what I'm saying. You look at all the dope, it, you know, it, it, it takes a different shape. It takes a different tone. But if you look at it, all the signs are there. Right. This peak moral decadence, moral decay, easy money. Right. It's like dire straits, right? Money for nothing, chicks for free. Yeah. You know, it's same type of attitude. Does that work well with your children? Does that work well with you? No, it doesn't do anything. It rots people. And that's what our government and Federal Reserve have been doing and anesthetizing people with free money and a fake charade of an economy and get their 401k and their house value up there, make them feel rich. They're going to ignore. It's just, and it's Satan at work, man. And I, I, you know, I, I, you know, you know, I go at great lengths to separate, um, you know, finance from politics, but you, 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 this is where we're at right now. Yeah, but you're and, not talking and, about politics. I mean, this is the thing. This is another, I think, a, a trap of the enemy. Oh, Zach, you're being political. No, you're not. 
you, you, you're describing cultural things that are not, that, that, and this is so important for people to understand, these are not happening. That's a passive phrase. These things are not bubbling up. Like infants didn't say, I want to pretend to have a penis and walk around that way. That's not what an infant said. Madison Avenue said that. And if you think, and people will say, no, 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 no. Companies don't have that power. They don't have that power. Who invented the phrase teenager? I don't know. Man. Madison Avenue. Huh. It was huh. a it was a study done out of the big advertising agencies in Madison Avenue that said, how can we invent a new market segment? Someone was looking at data, came back and said, wow, post-World War II in the boom economy, we are seeing times where teenagers have all, the, where, where these young adults, young adults, have all this disposable income because there was a time in America where you were a kid and then you turned 18. Then you were an adult, a young adult. So Madison Avenue looked at all this disposable income that kids had because they worked, they had second jobs because there was prosperity in the country and kids had, kids work. pardon me? Kids, kids, work. kids work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That, isn't that, I know it was savage. I mean, they even, they even had, they had to show up on time and then do the job, this brutality, but they, the, the Madison Avenue people identified the income and then they renamed kids, teenagers, and they started the marketing to teenagers. They marketed teen rebellion so they could market smoking so they could market rebel against your parents. So they could market the cars that showed rebellion. And then music came along and music existed before that, but it rode that wave of rebellion. And so then you had smart music marketers saying, oh, wow, you know, America, white America is going to hate having their kids listen to black music. Let's do that. And they're going to hate this, these British guys with this long hair. Let's do that. And all sorts of products and services grew into this invention of teenagers, what has Madison Avenue and Big Pharma and the sexual left invented? A new transhuman existence that they are reliant upon Big Pharma for the rest of their lives. It's smoking times gazillion. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Well, hey, look, look at, uh, you know, I, I know, I know people in my own family, I know where you've got kids 14, 15 years old on up to five or six different anti-anxiety, ADD, all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there looking at them going, why don't you get your kid on a good diet and get them physically active? <laughs> right? Like I'm not saying people don't have needs guys. I'm not, obviously there are certain places where it's, but you know, just go do some research on the internet oh, about yeah. the prescription anti-anxiety. Well, I mean, think, yeah, it's just, it's well, ridiculous. We got, we got, we got sucked into that because we went through the journey um, in adolescent and teen mental health and we pay for it for this day. One of my biggest regrets in life is not listening to my wife who said, no, 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 no pills. And, and it's, it's a weird thing. They have all sorts of ways to get kids on those pills, but you know what they don't provide down doses. They do not provide step down doses. And, and it, it, they make it incredibly difficult. And we'll continue here with Zach Abraham, Bulwark Capital Management. Um, I, speaking of that, Zach, I sent you a note on email. I just wanted you to maybe explain to us 
uh, these profits from this company. $7.86 billion in a quarter. Just maybe just take a look at that and tell me if that's if that's a good profit off of $100 million in income. So we'll talk about who that company is in a second and, and how they got there. And certainly it's just the free market at work. It's just choices consumers are making all on their very own. So this guy I'm talking to is going to be at our event in Bothell, Washington. It is May 20th. Um, it is in Little Babylon. That's right outside of Seattle. It's going to be at Cedar Park Christian Church. Zach's going to Zach's going to talk about um, stewardship and and stewarding money in God's way. Um, we're not going to take a lot of his time, but you have an opportunity to meet him. And I understand we're going to be favored with uh, the presence of some of his team. I am now seeking to have God's full blessing on this speech because we're exploring will God rescue America. And as I'm making my notes about this, this speech I'm going to give, and, and I want it to be meaningful for everybody, I'm coming upon some funny moments to share with you. For instance, I am almost, I'm 95% certain I was just about kidnapped by Ted Bundy. Not kidding. I'll tell that story. It happened blocks from where this church is, truly. And, and it's, it, that convinced me to get a haircut as a kid. I'm, and I'm not kidding. Uh, but I want to talk about also the Seattle I saw in the saddle it became, and I will reveal to me the moment where Washington state became perhaps unrescuable and Seattle did. There was a moment where Seattle became unrescuable and by people. Now God can rescue anybody. The question we're going to explore that night is, will God rescue America? There are tickets still available, although they're dwindling in availability. Go to the toddhermanshow.com slash events the toddhermanshow.com slash events. The, the, the speeches are actually two hours. Like Julie's going to talk. Zach's going to talk. I'm going to talk. Um, I think I'm going to speak for a little over an hour. And then we're going to visit for a half hour. Just all of us get together and chat it up. The toddhermanshow.com slash events. That's where you get the tickets. The toddhermanshow.com slash events. I look forward to meeting you in Little Babylon. So Zach, I was just looking at this, uh, man, it's, it's great news for this uh, fine American company that engages in free market capitalism and, and, and Pfizer's announced a $7.86 billion quarterly profit, not revenues. So you, you run, you're the chief investment officer, Bullock Capital Management. And I used to work in Fortune 500, but I've forgotten. Is that a good profit? I haven't looked at the numbers, but I, I will, I virtually will guarantee you that they never put up a quarterly number like that. Um, and you and I were joking beforehand. I guarantee you Nancy Pelosi had calls on that stock. I, I flat out guarantee it. So how does that work? Um, that, that, I mean, I, I'll tell a story that I love to tell, though I've told it too many times, uh, about Barney Frank doing insider trading in front of me and 500 other people. You've heard me tell that story. I mean, it's... I, I don't know. Okay, Washington, D.C. This is this is how it worked, and I want you to tell me what you mean by Nancy having calls on this. Um, so I'm giving a speech to a bunch of D.C. mobbed up um, communications executives, PR executives. My friend Trevor asked me to do this, and and I did, and, and I did it for a friend. Barty Frank was speaking before me, and Trevor was a Republican, a professional shiny shoot Republican. But he walks up to me and goes, I didn't know you were going to follow Barney Frank. I'm begging you. I am begging you. Please, please be nice. Please be polite. Like Trevor, it's Barney Frankie. It's Todd. I am begging you. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll be nice. 
And this last question before Barney Frank left the stage was a guy who said, yeah, Congressman, I'm just wondering, uh, Greece is in the news and the bailout of Greece. And I'm just wondering, uh, do, you any, uh, uh, do you have any news for us on that, on, on Greece? And he goes, well, I can't talk about that in detail because it's, uh, it's pending legislation. But I, I would just say this. If I was a rich man with money to invest, I would buy Greek bonds because as of 15 minutes ago, I got news. Greece is now officially too big to fail. So this had not been released. So big round of applause. Trevor introduces me. I get up on stage and, and I said, oh, guys, you got to forgive me for a second. I know this is so rude. This is really important. I'm on my Blackberry clicking away. I put it up by the mic so they can hear the clicks. I, I just, I, gosh, I so apologize. I know this is so rude. One second, one second, be right with you. Trevor, I apologize. Okay, got that. Uh, I just bought some Greek bonds. Let's hear it for insider trading, everybody. And then, and Congressman Barney Frank, and, and they started to applaud. They're applauding. And then some guy in front says, no, no. And, 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 and then I look out at the room, I go, ah, DC, gotta love it. They didn't even <laughs> get that they were applauding a federal crime. Yeah, right? yeah. Right? Yeah, and there's another cultural wayside, right? Or, or, right. or waypoint. There, there's no shame to immorality. They do it out in the open, right? Like, and, and you know, what is done in darkness will be brought out into the light. The funny thing is they don't even care. They're not even hiding anymore. And, and that, that is another signpost historically of total corruption and total moral decay and, and, right. and, and natural degradation, right? Is that they don't even, they're not even hiding anymore. Right. But, you know, they, you know, you go back to Epstein, right? I, and I'm not, I am hardly, matter of fact, the guy that I heard Epstein uh, or, or first heard about Epstein from was Rush Limbaugh. And that was like back in 05, 06. But, um, but you know, it's like the Epstein thing. I, I remember the day that he got arrested, I walked out of my office and looked at all of our guys. And I was like, mark my words, this cat will never see the inside of a pool. And two weeks later, he's dead. Right? It, and, and everybody's like, oh, that's so mysterious. And you're looking around going, what? What mysterious? <laughs> are, you, are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, and it's just, and then and to get to your point, I don't think people know it. I, I know a guy... Um, I wouldn't call him a friend and he's a decent guy. He, he runs a research firm. I'm not going to say who it is, but, um, he dedicates 95%, 90 to 95% of their research budget to canvassing Washington, DC. And I had a conversation with him and I said, well, why do you guys, do he goes, you want to know what's going on? Just DC. He goes, they're going to, you're going to get all the inside stuff. Yep. You're going to get all the inside information. And he goes, Zach, it, it's more profitable than studying all the financials and doing it the old fashioned way. It's become a way of life. These people don't know how to not cheat. Oh, I, right. I had a friend who, who put together an investment company based upon what Congress is doing. He hired yes. a bunch of former Hill staffers. Instead of making them lobbyists, they sought intel. And, yeah. and he got so good at it that they, they put him in prison. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, he didn't grease the right hand. That's no. What he did was he was in Wisconsin and he was, he was helping Republican candidates tied to Scott Walker. And they somehow came back and said, this is insider trading. No, you're doing, but when they do it, right. And by the way, you brought up shamelessness, Jeremiah six, verse 15. Um, are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. 
So I was I was saying yesterday that it can be so easy to say they're getting away with it. No, they're not. God's God is. I love this about the Lord. At no time does God Almighty go, "Wow, I didn't see that coming." It's never, yeah. it's never, never happened. So when you said that with this $7.86 billion profit for a drug that's largely from the COVID injections that, um, that doesn't stop transmission or infection, um, that is deadly for far too many people, that is now being shown to be, uh, it destroys immune systems. There's this mysterious increase in hepatitis in kids that is not, in fact, well, we'll talk about that later, but very, very mysterious that kids' um, uh, immunological systems are sort of creating hepatitis in their bodies. You said that you were guaranteeing Nancy Pelosi had calls on Pfizer. So explain that to people. So uh, in markets, you know, we all think about buying a stock, but we've also got the options market, which runs through the CBOE, the Chicago Board Options Exchange. And you can buy things called calls and puts. So think of it like, um, and it's not, it's not this crazy, but, but essentially when you buy a call or a put, you're making a bet on a stock and you have a time limit on it. So you might say, okay, I think Apple's going to 180. I'm going to buy an option on Apple at 180. So, so the, the option becomes in the money at 180, uh, meaning that it's, it's your bet page at 180. And then it comes with a timetable on it. So that, that bet might only be good for six months, right? So if, if Apple goes to 179 over the course of that six months and your option expires, it's worthless. Okay, now people are like, that doesn't sound good. And I'm like, well, um, and to give you an idea of how this works, we had an options trade on Boeing when Boeing was at an all-time high. We, we, we put together, a uh, we sold puts, bought, or excuse me, sold calls, bought puts. So we were betting that, that it was going to go down. The, the reason people like that, or like me, like to do that is because Boeing stock dropped about 15%. That options trade paid 550%, right? Because oh. those options are riskier and because and, you've got a time limit on it, right? Yeah. And, and so you get, you get leverage. So one of the things that we look for when we're looking in markets is we look for unusual options activity. When you see a bunch of calls coming into a stock, it doesn't always mean something's going to happen, but more often than not, it does, right? And so when you see, especially politicians with no financial background, having, and then you've got to put it in context, about 96% of options that are issued will retire out of the money, right? So they will expire when the time is up, they'll be worthless. When you see politicians with no financial training having a 60 to 70% hit rate on options trades, I don't need to look any further. Right, I guarantee you they're cheating. It's not possible. Nobody has a hit rate yeah. like that. And so when you see one of the things you look at Nancy Pelosi and and you know they track the trade activity, a good portion of her stuff are these options calls. Um, you know, meaning she one of her best positions over the last year and a half were just naked naked call options. So betting that something was going to go up on natural gas. Right. Well. Why do you think she, you know, why was that trade made? Because they were talking on the Hill about the shortage of fossil fuels. Right. Think about it. You, you can't get any more as somebody that's more anti-fossil fuel than Nancy Pelosi. Yet one of her most profitable trades was to be long natural gas via options, via call contracts. Right. So <laughs> it's just, it is, it is, it is, like I said, they're not even hiding it. It is so blatantly false. It is so blatantly cheating 
Um, and it's just the way of life. Like it, it literally has become part of their call package. But yeah, you only make 180 grand, but you get to trade off all the insider trading you want. And if you know what you're doing, guys, like if my if I was a naked capitalist and all I cared about was making money, honestly, I would run for public office. I I would absolutely do it because the info you can't lose. You you can't lose, right? You're trading on inside information, and that happened in the housing crisis too. Those guys came out of the those meetings in 2008, 2009 when the Fed's still telling everybody everything's okay. They came out of those meetings and they're lighting up put contracts, betting that banks are going to go down, right? The same banks that they're asked to regulate. Right, the financial, you know, the, the financial yeah. committees, the subcommittees, ways and means, all these kind of things. It, it is, a, and to watch, I, I don't expect everybody to dig into to my profession the way that I do. Right, I don't expect the average guy on the street to know all this stuff. But it's so frustrating to watch these people walking around going, "Oh, I trust him," or "I trust," and I'm sitting there going, "The guy, that that lady or that guy, they're crooks. They're crooks, and you just don't speak the language, so you don't see what they're doing." And how blatantly nefarious it is! It's just it. it I, I, it, I, I you sound Todd. You get it. You 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 get what they're doing. So many people don't. And if they had an understanding, like I I've said this on our radio show so many times. If the average person really understood what we're talking about and the way the Federal Reserve cheats, the way they they put two and a half million or two and a half billion into a special purpose vehicle and then turns over the treasury, let them bail out Citadel, Bridgewater, and BlackRock. You know, if you saw it, and if you knew what those terms meant, everybody, you, they'd be in the torches and pitchforks, man. Okay. And yet, yet they just sit back and they, they swallow it. It's you, you, just you so just, frustrating. You said exactly the, the exact phrase that a Texas congressman said to me once in his office. He asked me to review his social media presence, and I won't say his name because it was a private meeting. Um, Republican, good guy, I think. And he uh, asked me to review his social media presence. This was so long ago. This was 2008 before I even went into D.C. I gave a speech back there and he asked me to come in and, and, and meet with him. And I got a, I got a rare opportunity to meet with the congressman alone. Usually they always have staffers in the room so that you don't come out and say, oh, he bribed me or he grabbed my privates or, and people will do that to them there. Um, and I, I didn't, uh, but he said, we got done talking. He goes, uh, so Todd, is there anything I can do for you? I said, yeah. Um, I just had a friend um, lose his bank because of Washington Mutual Bank. And, and I, it was a nasty story. We've told him that air before. And, and so, Congressman, how bad is it? Like the Obama people, how bad are they? Goes, well, you, you see that clipboard up there? Hand that to me, please. And I handed it to him. And he said, you see this bill here? This is called the Fair Housing Occupancy Act, Todd. This one didn't get drawn to the floor this year, but this is what it allows. It, those banks that have, uh, have, have, have these homes that, that people been evicted from because they couldn't pay the mortgage. Now, they still own those homes, don't they, Todd? Yes, but you just told me banks have been forced to write those off their ledgers as if they don't exist. Right? So they're no longer assets, even though they're assets. They were told you will write them off your books. Well, this did not make the floor this this year, uh, but the Democrats will try it next year. Fair Housing Occupancy Act means that community organizing groups can go to a bankruptcy court and petition to occupy those homes. After all, the bank has written them off their ledgers. But the banks will still have to keep the homes up and pay all utilities. 
but the people get to live there for free. All they need is a bankruptcy judge. He said, if people in America actually understood what was going on in, in Washington, D.C., uh, that they are raiding the Treasury, they would be here with pitchforks and torches, and I think I'd probably join them. Yeah, yeah. And, and, that's, and that's what's happened to markets. Um, and it's so, you know, and again, I, one of the aims of our show is trying to decode it, right? Yeah. Because they're going it, to, it's one of the reasons that when you hear somebody on Wall Street talking, you really can't understand half of what they're saying. It's not because they're smarter than you. It's because there's a code. There's a language that we talk in so that all, everybody that understands and know, knows what's really going on. And, you know, like how many stories did you hear about? I heard Jim Cramer on TV celebrating the fact that the quote unquote treasury was in there buying corporate bonds because all these people care about is make the price go up, right? Even though it was a direct violation of the Federal Reserve Act. And when, when you say that, and I get it, right? When you say, because it's esoteric and it's esoteric on purpose, but when you say, uh, uh, you know, the, the tre- you know, Federal Reserve put $2.5 trillion in SPV, gave it to the set treasury. Nobody knows what that means. And they're in there buying corporate bonds. Nobody knows what that means. What that means is you don't have a free market. What it means is that the central bank with limitless pockets is determining the price of publicly traded securities. Okay, so don't be shocked when you see days like today. I just looked at the ticker while we're on there. NASDAQ's down 4.5%. Um, you know, Dow's pushing 1,000 points down. This is the bill come and do, guys. That, that's all this is, right? It's just the bill come and do. And if you think that we can just, you know, into perpetuity, that we can just print money and, and, and generate or create or conjure, like you say, wealth out of thin air, yeah. and that the bill is come and do, natural consequences, right? We teach our kids, natural consequences. Don't put your hand on the stove. It's going to burn you. If you thought this was going to end well, I don't know what to tell you, Right. And what you're seeing right now, I think, is the beginning of the bill come and do. And it's not going to be yeah. a fun one. I, I, fun to pay. I said this thing to a friend of mine, and, and we'll have to wrap up here, but I said this thing to a friend of mine in D.C. who's a young guy. He's incredibly smart. He's a very caring young man. Um, and he was talking about all the wealth, all the money. And he was making fun of me for paying off my house, like my primary residence. Herman, why are you doing that? Money's so cheap. I mean, look, 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 it's just arbitrage. I mean, you have this, you know, little tiny interest rate for your house and all this money you could make. And I mean, I, look, I mean, um, just this, this on pharma just this week, like uh, I, I booked half a million on this thing and, you know, and he's back in DC and, yeah. and I love him. And I said, man, you know what? And this is the divorce. I said, Todd, his name is Todd. Um, man, you're, you're gaining the world. And he goes, Yeah. Yeah, I'm gaining the world. And he doesn't know the rest of the quote. And I told him, brother, do me a favor. I want you to Google store up treasures in heaven. I want you to do that. I'm begging you to do that. Like storing up treasures in heaven. And that's the part where God's not deceived. Right. And, And God didn't say rich people can't go to heaven and all poor people do. It's about behaviors. It's about accepting the free gift that God offers in redemption uh, through his son, Jesus Christ. That's it. And, and I do believe that there's going to be a flipping. Um, there's a story of Lazarus and the poor man. Lazarus was a rich man 
And he ended up in hell, still ordering people around. Tell my brothers to bring me water. I'm, and the poor man was in heaven. And I think that there's going to be a major reckoning. And I hope not. I hope everybody goes to heaven, but they're not going to because the path is narrow and there'll be few that make it. Um, I, I'm trying to strike out of my heart right now, Zach, because it's a sinful thought. I'm trying to strike out of my heart on the day of judgment when we see Pelosi and all those people drawn before the Lord. I, I, I really am trying to strike out of my heart the joy I feel. At, hey, you got caught. Because all the things are going to be revealed, including the things you and I think in private. Yeah, no, I, and I think about that all the time. And, and um, it really is one of the reasons that, you know, when I was going to, uh, you know, I'll preview is one of the things I was going to talk about at the meeting on May 20th, which yeah. is we, we want to be good stewards. We want to be productive with our assets, but we also want to be constantly giving. I don't want to be the farmer in the Bible, right, that, that has a record crop so and builds an extra barn. You know, um, and I think that, I think that, uh, that that giving, that that constant focus on, you know, less of me, more of you, right? It's a prayer that I speak on a daily basis is that giving, that having that giving heart is what keeps you free of it, right? It's what keeps you from having being owned by your assets and being obsessed because if we're constantly cutting it loose, you know, rather than buying a new car, taking that money and giving it away, right? First of all, you can't outgive God. But second of all, like everything in the Bible, they're not rules. They're things that benefit you, right? Don't cheat on your wife so you don't break your home up, right? Don't commit murder so you don't spend your life in prison. These aren't rules. This is a good father's advice saying if you want to live well, right, do these things. And I think giving away and having a giving heart is, you know, to good things. We don't want to be given to the wrong things, but I think that is so important too. And it's what separates us. They will know us by our love. And I've just seen it in my own life. I've seen it in clients' life that you can't outgive God. And when you've got a giving spirit, right, um, be a wise steward with your money. I'm not saying that. I mean, that's my job, right? But to be giving and to be loving and giving away because you just, it's so sad, man. You know it. I know it. You've seen it. There's so many, it's what's the sad thing about this world now and our culture is all about money. And nobody stops to look at the drug addiction, all these, yep. you know, the mess people's kids are. These people aren't happy. They're miserable. And they've gained the world and they've lost their soul and they're miserable. That's a miserable place to be. And just be countercultural. I, I pray with my kids every night to be in the world, but not of it. Yep. And if you want to be happy, do it. If you don't, you know, good luck. Right. And maybe you'll even be temporarily happy for 40 or 50 years, but not, not permanently. Zach, I appreciate that. I'm so excited that you're joining us at the event, May 20th. You get the tickets at the ToddHermanShow.com slash events. You will have an opportunity to meet Zach um, and to hear from him from the stage. And I continue to work on my speech. Can't wait to meet you guys. Go with God's good grace, my friend. I always appreciate you. Hey, likewise, Todd. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please, Go be well, be strong, be kind, practice gratitude to God Almighty, who without whom we have nothing and can do nothing that bears good fruit.